This is the Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Every game. You are going to go back to throw the ball. Sets up, look, throws toward the corner of the end zone. It is intercepted! Intercepted! The next time the ball! Every story. So we just continue to push and grind and go and take care of our guys. It's going to be built to last. The Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck owner, Justin Hopkins. And Matt Bagley from 96.1, 580, the game. Hey, everybody. Matt Bagley here with you. Justin Hopkins alongside the interwebs with me. Just a programming note before we get this baby rolling. It's the last Scoop Duck pod for the month of July because I got married on Sunday and my honeymoon starts on Saturday. So I'm going to fly down to SoCal. I'm going to eat as many tacos as I can, watch some baseball games, stick some sand between my toes and try to unwind. And then uh, once we get into August, football season, baby. We'll talk about Oregon football and fall camp and everything. I can't wait for that. Um, As we wrap the month of July, Justin reached out to you guys on Scoop Duck and asked for questions. I want to start with this one because I think it's really important. Where did the beer thread go? Oh, yeah. Uh, Really? (laughs) Shoot, man. I've been off. Yeah, I'll be darned. Somebody must have gone through and cleaned some of those up and the the beer thread got got pushed down i'm gonna i will go through and find it and and get her pushed back up to the top because that's uh i mean that one's got some valuable information in there that's good that's the that's my favorite thread really so (laughs) i i only lurk like two or three posts on your site anything um that joel gunderson writes your new guy who if you don't know him he's written a couple of books on the nba really really prolific uh, does radio hits in the Portland area from time to time. Anyway, I read his stuff, that 30 for 30 series rocks. I read anything podcast-related, uh, especially the comments. I love those comments. And then I read that beer thread because I'm always learning new stuff. Yeah. It, well, with you being in the Portland area now, too, you know, obviously there's a, you know, a lot for you to learn. And I know that a lot of the folks that post in there are, are in that area. So right. there's so many hidden hidden gems up there that, yeah, that's super valuable for you guys for sure. Uh, one more off-topic question before we get rolling in earnest. So I'm going to San yeah. Diego for a week. Where would you recommend we drink? Because you've never led me astray there. Yeah, San Diego. I mean, you know, the, the obvious is Ballast Point, which is a huge one. Uh you know, Strauss is down there, Carl Strauss, which is like, um, I, you know, I would characterize them as kind of like, um, I mean, they're not, they're not on Ninkasi's level, but they're bigger than like a claim 52. They're just kind of a mid-level brewery, you know, meaning that they, you right. know, bigger than your average one-off, but right. they're not a, a chain, a chain like Ballast Point, but I, Carl Strauss makes some amazing beer that I absolutely love. Uh, my, my buddy owns the brewery in Chula Vista called Tree Punk Ales, which I've talked about before and have a shirt, have shirts and stuff like that. So they, they make some fun gear, fun, uh, fun beers down there. Um, yeah, I, shoot me. I, I could send you a whole list cause I'll walk around that city and drink beer all day. So, um, I love San Diego. I'm super jealous cause I, if I, if I could 
win the lottery and afford to move somewhere, it would probably be to San Diego. But I don't see that ever happening in my lifetime because it's a uh, it's just too expensive to move down there. Yeah. Hey, you and me both. You know, it's it's the most expensive city in America. But I, I went down there a few years ago because my wife her, has a lot of family down there. Like grandma lives there, and and her tios and and uh, cousins. Everybody's down there, and the food is in, in incredible. Um, if you love yeah. Mexican food, I mean, it's it's the best Mexican food maybe in all of America. The beaches, as a kid that grew up in Oregon, my, my family moved up to Oregon when I was a toddler, so I only ever knew Oregon beaches until I went down there. The beaches are incredible. And then the, uh, the atmosphere, the weather rocks, the, the nightlife rocks getting to watch some great baseball petco park is one of the best ballparks in all the world um yeah there's just a lot to take in and enjoy so yeah i'm right there with you if i had the money i'd live there yeah i mean the weather you know you're talking 80 to 90 degrees virtually year round you know maybe maybe mid 70s a little bit but not much and i think the one thing that you just can't fully put your finger on it but it's just kind of like the vibe people are seem generally pretty upbeat and kind of almost like you know like like surf style like hey let's have fun let's be cool let's chill you know everybody just kind of feels that way down there and it really kind of makes you you know feel you know welcome or at ease you go some places then it's uptight or hoity-toity or you know just weird in general but for whatever reason most of the places i go in san diego just really has almost like that surfer chill vibe to it i i really like that it really makes me feel comfortable yeah uh okay let's get to some real questions Uh, we'll start with the r word realignment uh texas and oklahoma are playing footsie with the sec do you think that's serious or or do you see them just trying to win one over on the big 12 yeah i mean it it feels like uh, i can't remember how long ago it was that we talked about them in the pac-12 about 10 years maybe eight eight nine ten years somewhere in that time frame um without me googling it you know, oh, Texas and Oklahoma are going to come to the Pac-12 and it's going to be, you know, the, the Pac-14 or 16 or whatever it was going to become. And, and uh, I, I, you know, then they worked that, they segued that into a pretty big TV deal and, and all that stuff within their own conference to stay. It sort of feels like that. Uh, feels like there's, you know, so many hurdles there for them to try and get through for this to even enter the phase where it becomes semi-realistic. So, um and that said why would they do it i mean they're really their average football teams at the end of the day and that's being kind to texas the last five or six years saying they're average oklahoma's obviously had a couple pretty good years and 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 some heisman winners and it's it's pretty fun football but overall that's not an elite football school uh at the moment and you're going to go into the sec and and quite frankly get your ass handed to you week in and week out by at least half the conference there so um and again you know you and i we get we probably or at least myself i should say look at this in terms of football but then you got to start looking at, at baseball you got to start looking at basketball and and some of the auxiliary sports and how that lines up and if it makes sense so uh, again sure 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 seems like texas and oklahoma are trying to uh you know, raise a little bit of interest there and maybe sweeten the pot for themselves. But, um, I, I, yeah, I mean, it, it, for them to start talking about this in July feels like it's something that's not even remotely on the radar, in my opinion. 
Yeah, and that was my thought when this report first came out, uh, the Houston Chronicle, saying uh, Wednesday, yesterday, as we're taping this on a Thursday, that Texas and Oklahoma were two weeks away from telling the Big 12 they were going to the SEC. And, uh, and, and then the reports, I think, were followed up. Uh, Yahoo got a piece of it. Stadium got a piece of it. ESPN got a piece of it. And, and now you're, you're really seeing the momentum here. Um, I, 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 I'm with you that if this is just about football, it feels a little rushed where if you're Texas and let's say you join the SEC and you slot into the SEC West, you were already fourth or third in the Big 12 any given year. You move into the SEC West, that's the toughest division in college football. you got to beat LSU and Bama, and I, I can't fathom them doing that, no matter how good Sark recruits. They're, they're just the, the ground they need to make up is just too vast. Here's what's scary to me, though. In all of this, and again, I still feel like this is oh, – I, I, I know that there were multiple outlets reporting this. I still feel as though it's overhyped. You know, some sometimes stuff like this can come from, you know, one place, and, and then, you know, somebody grabs onto it. It's like, oh, oh yeah, you know, I, I heard the same. I, you think know, I, know, it, it, I think I know where you're going here, but but tell everybody. Yeah, well, well it, it just, you know, it spreads like wildfire, and it kind of becomes like much ado about nothing. Uh, where I'm going, I, I feel like, though, is that – uh, the scary part is is uh, whether they realize it or not, and maybe this is what will get them to realize, the SEC is in the absolute best position to basically monopolize college football. Uh, they are in a position that if they wanted to, they could more than likely, with how successful they've been, the revenue streams that they're producing, you know, just the, the, the competitiveness of the conference, the the branding of the conference, just to say that you're in the SEC, they could by, by and large, go out and basically poach whichever schools they want. And 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 of course, right. you know, I'm posturing a little bit here, but they could realistically go out and say, hey, let's let's make a push to get bigger and expand the conference. Let's go get, you know, Clemson and, you know, uh, Notre Dame and and Oregon, and let's get the best, you know, four or five schools out there and make like a really mega super conference. Uh, who's to stop them? I think that's kind of the scary part in all this right now. Yeah. Now, that's a different direction than where I thought you were going. But but I think it's a wise point because just as a broadcaster, I look at who draws the biggest audiences because that's, that's what I'm going to be able to sell commercials on. That's what I'm going to be able, as a broadcaster, to make money on. You know, the TV networks, CBS, ESPN, ABC, Fox. Um, and the answer is always unblinkingly unquestionably it's always a deep south yeah and that's the thing if you're let's just throw it out there if you're usc or you're oregon right now and greg sankey calls you up and says hey look we're thinking about expanding and having you guys come join the sec you're going to give that a serious look you would double or triple your revenue stream Mm -hmm. you're i mean you're not going to hang up the phone and be like you're crazy sure logistically doesn't make a whole bunch of sense but you can iron that stuff out and figure it out. And ultimately, if you're, you know, if, if you're Rob Mullins and you go to George, Mario Cristobal and look at him and say, hey, look, SEC wants us to come and join their conference. We'll figure out the logistics, but we're going to be able to triple our revenue stream, which is 
okay, maybe not triple, but even if you can double it, uh, Mario's going to look at him. I feel like Mario would look at him and say, do it. Let's do it. Um, Again, so many things to go through. I know that we're jumping way ahead, but who's to say Notre Dame wouldn't do it? Who's to say Clemson wouldn't consider it because the ACC's really not that great of a conference either. It's just, it's a scary thought to think about because it feels like we're pushing the college football playoff towards expansion to complement the SEC, allow them to have more more schools in every year, probably because it's the biggest draw in college football and produces the most revenue. And at the end of the day, no matter what we're talking about, always chase the money. I mean, always chase the money because that's where things that's where everything goes anymore. It's it's, it's chasing the money. Um, where I thought you were going to go with this a few minutes back is you've said before you think Nick Saban is not long for Alabama. Do you still believe that? I will say this. I think he's done a really good job uh, in his interviews and, and just in the things that he's been doing in terms of his energy level um, you know, making people look, you know, just looking like he's still fully enthused and, and fully engaged. And I'm not, I'm not asking any questions behind closed doors. I'm not chasing down this rabbit hole, but you've got to start looking at how long he's been doing it. Um, the level of success he's sustained. At, I mean, you've got to think at some point, the the demands that are there on these coaches in the recruiting game and the in the coaching game, um, you know, meeting with donors, doing all these other things that the head coaches have to do. I mean, you, I don't. That's a tough question. I certainly think so. It certainly feels like it's something that is, you know, relatively close. But he's doing a really good job of not giving it away if it's on the agenda for him. But. I mean, there's got to be an exit plan soon, right? I mean, you're on top. Why not? Why not John Elway it and go out, you know, uh, as as one of the all-time greats and before you before you tarnish anything. And I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I, I look at there are people built like Nick Saban, and you know, I'll use Shannon Terry as an as another example. Obviously, as, he, as he's putting together another network with on three, those guys guys like like Shannon Terry that has more than enough money to <laughs> live comfortably a guy like Nick Saban that has more than enough money to live comfortably most of us would say hey I, you know I'm good I'm gonna ride off into the sunset I'm at the top of my game I'm still young enough to enjoy this you know let me just let me just but but those guys are there for a reason they're workers they're grinders uh, and sometimes they just don't know anything else sometimes the attraction of going and retiring and not having anything to do doesn't excite them at all. So it's not that I'm opposed to hard work, but I wouldn't mind sitting on the beach for a year, enjoying some pina coladas and and kicking my feet up. But, uh, you know, I'm not at their level (laughs) currently. I just, I was thinking about it because, like, if you're Sark and if you're Texas and you make this move because you think it makes your program better, Jumping into the gauntlet of the SEC West doesn't make sense to me. But if you think that Saban is going to leave, and and you know Sark has been his lieutenant for a few years now, if he thinks the same way you do that Saban is going to leave in the next few years, maybe you take that risk because being the top dog in the Big Twelve is great, 
right? You, you might get a seat to the big kids' table in the college football playoff every other year. But ask Oklahoma, they don't get in every year. If you're the big dog in the SEC, that's a different story. Yeah, it is. And, you know, let's be real. There's a reason Texas A&M jumped at the chance to join the SEC. You get to put that badge, you know, on your on your uniform. Uh, whoever their head coach is gets to walk into that living room of that recruit and say, hey, look, we're, we're in the SEC. We're in the, you know, we're in the toughest conference in the country, which they are. There's no debating that. Um, and... I mean, let's be realistic. If basically you're, let's just say you're third or fourth to the table, you know, Alabama and Georgia are the top two recruiting schools in that conference. And, you know, you're, you're third or fourth or even fifth to the table. You're still getting really, really, really good recruits. So, you know, I think there's, I think there's a lot to gain from saying that your school is in the SEC, the most competitive, I mean, Look at what the look at what those schools are able to do out west. Not even close out west, but Alabama's basically able to come out here and pick the two or three kids that they really want from the West Coast that are, you know, the, the upper four stars or five star guys and pull them away because they're in the SEC because they win. Uh, there, there is definitely a lot to that. I mean, should, for example, say Oregon joins the SEC, and again, this is. Is a far-fetched idea, of course, but let's just say they do. You know, now Oregon's out in the Western footprint and basically able to say, "Hey, come play at Oregon. We're part of the toughest conference in the country. Uh, you know, come come play with us. We're in the SEC." That's a huge recruiting tool for that school, and it totally would be for Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, and 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 again, I, I believe it's the biggest reason that Texas A&M jumped at the opportunity to join not that long ago. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about some of the other schools in the Big 12 that aren't jumping at the opportunity with the SEC right now. Do you think any of them make sense for the Pac-12? You know, I do. Um, I I do. You know, the Pac-12 overall, and and I'd say this even about, you know, Colorado and maybe the schools that are not in the upper division, everybody – does tend to go recruit that Midwest area. Now, now maybe they certainly aren't getting, you know, the top guys uh, from the state of Texas or the state of Oklahoma or whatever, you know, the Midwest is producing in that given year. But, but all of the schools, Washington included, are out there recruiting uh, that area. So I think there's some natural crossover there. Uh, and not to mention, I think if you're getting the upper level schools, if you're getting, you know, anybody in that top, you know, four or five range to come join your conference. I think you're elevating the conference. Um, and I think that's the name of the game. If you can keep making your level of competition better uh, overall, I think that's a good thing. Now, you know, you don't go out and you don't go take, you know, uh, the Kansas or whatever the, the, the 10th or 12th worst team is in the big 12. That doesn't elevate your conference, in my opinion. So, yeah, I, I think you can. I think you have to be selective. It has to make sense. But, uh, you know, you saw that. I'm sure you saw the tweet from George Klyakov just like I did. He says, wow, what an interesting first month on the job already. You know, all of us are kind of wondering, all right, well, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, is he is he getting phone calls from, from Big 12 programs or what's going on there? So uh, I would think you would certainly have to entertain it. But, again, just like, for example, Oregon joining the SEC, you know, it has to make sense logistically. It has to make sense in a number of ways. But uh, uh, you, you certainly put it on the table, in my opinion. 
does this push the Pac-12 to look at some of the uh, group of five schools out west, like Boise State or San Diego State? Yeah, I don't think so. I think the trouble there is I'm not sure that they're competitive enough enough in the other sports, let alone football. Um, you know, Boise State's a good program for two years, and then they're, you know, what I would call average, which they win their conference, but if they were to play in the Pac-12, you know, they might be an average 500 ball club or, or six and four, nothing, right. you know, nothing el- elite. So I, I just don't think that that elevate, I don't think there's anybody like that because I was thinking about that in the back of my mind, you know, talking about the big 12 is like, well, you know, why don't you just bring in Boise or why don't you bring in San Jose state or San Diego state or whoever. Uh, and I just, you know, I just don't think that elevates your conference. It just doesn't make sense. Um, they're not big TV markets uh, for the most part, at least in consideration of Boise State, um, you know, with regards to that. I uh, love the school, love the area. I uh, have a lot of respect for the the football that they play there. I just don't think it elevates the conference. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's tough because I'm with you. From a rating standpoint, you already have uh, the, the north of Idaho, the Moscow area, because that's right next to Washington State. Uh, you you already have like Eastern Oregon and and Eastern California and that area near Boise um, because you have the Ducks and you have you know the, the schools that are going to get those audiences. Um, BYU doesn't make sense for the same reason because you already have Salt Lake City with Utah. Right. Um, right. It, just from an audience standpoint. Maybe you look at the Cal schools like Fresno State or San Diego State and add those markets, but the audience numbers are pretty tiny. Um, and and if you do that, you're going to have to rebalance your divisions, and that's going to be a mess because everybody wants everybody wants that USC game. Everybody wants their alumni base in LA getting to go to the Coliseum or or watching that game on TV and boosting ratings for the conference. Um I I think the Pac twelve is just kind of damned if they do, damned if they don't. Because yeah. let's say let's say they don't add a new member and the SEC goes to this sixteen team super team where they've just taken the two blue chips out of the Big Twelve. That right. won't be the last shot fired in this realignment. The Big 12 will not survive. It cannot survive right. without Texas or Oklahoma. And so the Big 10 is going to reach out to Kansas and Iowa State and and the, the good academic schools in that conference. And sure. it just so happens they're also the closest regionally to the Big 10. Um, I, I, I think that you're going to see – the other Power Five conferences kind of gain an extra leg up on the Pac-12. So I think you either take on inferior programs, like you mentioned Boise State, who I'm high on. I love Andy Avalos. We've had him on this pod. I think that program is going to continue to compete in football for years to come. But in every other sport, they would be in the basement of the Pac-12. You either add a school like that, or you add a school that doesn't help you with TV numbers and doesn't match up at all with the other schools in your conference, like a BYU. Yeah, and you know, obviously, you and I look at it, um, you know, on the surface of, of sports, 
uh, you know, football being king. What what other sports do they bring to the table? Does you know Boise State have a really really good basketball team that nobody just talks about? No, mm, not really. No. Um, the biggest the biggest thing that I think if you're a a, a pack, there's two things. There's two things that I have to go with here. First being, you know, this will come down to money. I, I, you know, does this make financial se- sense for the Pac-12 to bring these schools in, and now you're you're divvying up the pot by another one, two, three, four schools, however many you bring in. So everyone else is getting less unless these schools are coming in and will add to your revenue stream, you know, in a way that, that will make everybody more profitable. That's what they're going to look at is that the, you know, the TV market and the licensing deals and all this other stuff, that's what they're going to look at in terms of that. And to take it a step further, um, I love the Pac-12. You love the Pac-12. Everybody listening loves the Pac-12. We think it's a, a terrific cons- conference. But let's face it, right now, their brand isn't especially strong nationally in many ways. And so you have to wonder, you know, how does that measure up? If, you know, does, is the, you know, if it's, and I'm just, I'm just spitballing here. Okay. So let's say the SEC is the top conference out there, which it is, uh, is the big 10 then next, and then would get, you know, the best of the neck of the, of the next tier guys, you know, would they expand and, and take three or four schools? And if so, who would they take and what does that leave? And where does the PAC 12 fit in with all this? You know, are you, you know, uh, let's say Texas and Oklahoma are for real and are looking around. Do you have a legitimate shot at getting them from the sec? Maybe the sec makes them kind of a crappy offer because quite frankly, they don't really need them. They might like them, but they don't need them. Whereas the PAC 12 might say, Hey, look, those two schools would add a lot to our conference uh, would help our revenue stream. Let's make a more attractive offer to those two schools. However, the offer gets made, if it's a, you know, the, the, the network deal or whatever it is that, that, that the money's generated by, you just have to wonder where the PAC 12 conference falls into any of that. And if any of the other conferences, uh, you know, get serious about it, it would be, it would be fun to see some of this happen. I'm not going to lie. It would be fun to kind of watch it all unfold, but it could be really dangerous for the Pac-12 and it could be very dangerous for college football, in my opinion, if ultimately the SEC decided it just wanted to create a super conference. I don't think there's anybody anything that could stop them from doing that. And I think the minute they realize that, all of this gets kicked up a notch. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so I, I feel like we tackled everything we could on realignment uh let's get to some of the other questions and i i gotta note i i think you answer these same questions every week but <laughs> it's it's like the theme of what we do right i've always told people right. your niche is recruiting like everybody can be on the organ beat there's a lot of guys that have sites there's a lot of people that that talk about you know what's going on in practice you talk about recruiting so Recruiting question, Traeger Duck asks, are there any fun details or extra notes for SNL, Saturday Night Live? Uh, you know, at the moment, no. Uh, you know, I know that the staff is kind of finalizing who's coming. Uh, you, you know, what I want to say on that is, uh, you know, the staff's kind of finalizing who's coming. Uh, you have to keep in mind, that, as I've you know mentioned before, and some people understand, these are unofficial, unofficial visits. These are not official visits, which means that the families are paying for them, 
you know, on their, with their own dime, those visit plans tend to change pretty frequently, much more so than official visits. Um, and, you know, I've been told that the staff's trying to keep, uh, things fairly under wrap in terms of who's visiting um, and any sort of list being produced because quite frankly, uh, not a lot of other schools uh, do a camp like this. There are some that do, but not a lot of other schools do a camp like this. And with it being unofficial visits, let's say for example, there is a kid, uh, we'll just say down in Southern California somewhere that Oregon really wants to bring on campus. Well, you don't really want to tip off UCLA or USC to it and give them a week to try and talk that kid out of taking a trip up to Eugene that they will pay a decent amount to do the, the you know, they'll, they'll pay airfare and hotel and all that kind of stuff and say, hey, you know what, you, you guys can go see them later in the fall. Come see us instead. That's a huge recruiting, you know, tool or, or weapon against you. And I know that the staff with these being unofficial visits is trying to be uh, really careful. I'm not saying there won't be a list. Um, I just know that right now everything's being pretty, you know, played pretty close to the vest. And that those are some reasons why. And hopefully that makes sense because uh, I have to say, um, I don't know that recruiting in the Pac-12 has ever been this competitive ever since I've been doing this, you know, before you basically, in, in my opinion, uh, let's say prior to Mario Cristobal's arrival and, and ultimately even when Oregon was really good with Chip Kelly, in the heyday, USC recruited whoever they wanted mm -hmm. and there was no competition. Once USC offered, it was over. That kid was going there. And I mean, they knew that they had, I cannot count how many times Oregon would get in on a kid, great player. And USC would offer, and the next day the kid would commit. And it's just, you know, that it, that's not competitive. That's just that's just an imbalance. And I, I think that USC is recruiting well this year. You can't debate that. Um, I think Washington, I don't know that their class is particularly great at the moment, but they are in on some names, and they remain a player for a lot of, of, of guys. I think Stanford, although, again, has had to adapt in recruiting, and they're starting to do that. You're seeing them do official visits in the spring, something they've never done. They are adapting because of the competitive nature of the conference. Uh, ASU, obviously a very a very competent uh, recruiting school, always a thorn there. Uh, Cal, I think Justin Wilcox has brought in some guys and does a good job recruiting. Oregon right now is is on top, but it's not like Oregon basically offers a kid like USC did and the kid goes there. It's not that clean and easy. I think even Chip Kelly, who's one of the most stubborn SOBs on the planet, has made some adaptions to the way he's recruited as well. So I do think that recruiting overall in the Pac-12 conference has gotten about as competitive, um, competitive as I've ever seen it. And I think that that's a tremendous thing for the conference. That being said, I think it's led Mario Cristobal to be just a bit more reserved on some things. And, and that is the long way that I'm answering your question about SNL. I do believe it'll be open to the public. Uh, I do believe that they will encourage fans to be there. I have no idea what the stipulations will be in terms of vaccinations. So I'm not even going to go down that road, but uh, I think there's going to be a really good group. 
Uh, I am working with Jonathan on my site and Stephen Trang, and we're putting together a list. We're reaching out to kids and just asking them if they're coming. Uh, I'll put together a, a list on my own, and we'll work to get a little bit more intel, uh, you know, from within the program. But uh, yeah, I think it's going to be big. I think it's going to be great. Uh, I think the staff is certainly very excited about it, but I think they're working really hard to try and, and uh, you know, get as many guys as they can without jeopardizing, you know, other schools jumping in and, and trying to talk them out of taking an unofficial visit. Uh, Slap Duck asks, who are the 2021 guys that are making the biggest impression early on? Um, you know, that, is a good question it's not a bad question by any means it's uh you know th they're doing some summer camp stuff right now and uh you know there's not a lot going on the other part is uh out of that group um <laughs> almost everybody was here uh in the winter so <laughs> there's not that many uh that showed up here late one of the ones that i have heard uh, about quite a bit is isaiah brevard just a, a great looking guy a wide receiver out of mississippi just just a great looking prospect. I've heard his name a few times uh, in a few areas. Uh, another one that I heard, have heard a lot about is Darren Barkins, the cornerback that I think everybody was really excited about on staff. Um, you know, that's another one that I've heard has come in here again in the summer and looking good. Um, there's a lot of guys, you know, Byron Cardwell is another one uh, that I've heard great looking running back just has the physique uh, you know, coming in, don't expect him to be a guy that competes uh, right away, just given how that, uh, you know, the depth chart is at running back. But, uh, you know, those are the ones right now that I've heard, you know, as far as summer goes that have come in and done some really impressive things. Jabril McNeil is another one that uh, the linebacker that I know the staff was high on. Lots and lots of potential there. Tons of upside. They just see so many great things from him. Uh, he's probably a year away from contributing. But again, uh, the, the staff was really pleased with that signing as well. So that that's a few of them that have come my way uh, in just about the, let's see here, just about a month, the month or so that they've been on campus. Okay. Um, looking at some more questions here. Uh, we, we had a question about NIL, but I, I feel like we've, we've talked about that a lot. Um, you know, I, I think we both agree that, that Oregon is going to benefit from it, but overall we're not sure what that landscape is going to look like long term. Uh, so so we'll put a pin in that one, wait a little bit longer. Uh, PDXSD Duck asks, what do you know about the new indoor practice facility being built? Uh, I mean, uh, I... I, I I'm not going to, I'm just not going to go in the weeds there. It feels like that, uh, I mean, it's out there. Obviously, if you're reading some of the interviews, like from Dave Iuli and some of the other uh, recent commits, uh, you know, they're talking about it. Um, it I, this certainly isn't rumor, but as far as me sitting here speculating, oh, yeah, it's going to be at 35,000 square feet and, you know, TVs everywhere and, you know, giving you the, the dynamics of it. Um, you know, this is certainly something that uh, is going to happen. Uh, I think it's just a matter of when and when the, you know, university decides to kind of disclose the full plan. So, I, I, again, sorry for kind of ducking that question, but 
I, I don't really want <laughs> I don't really want to dig too far in on that one. But yeah, I mean, you know, certainly I'm not saying that this is something that uh, is all made up. You know, at, at this point, it it certainly looks like this thing's coming together and coming together quickly as well. Okay. Um, every time I see a post by this guy, I always point out it's my favorite name on the whole site. TPO House Ten quote. Who wins the next title? Football, men's or women's basketball, baseball or softball? Wow, I like it. When's the next title? So I personally feel like this can be a good year for Oregon football. Good year doesn't mean that they win a title. I mean, that's a great year, obviously. <laughs> that's a tremendous year. Right. Uh, you know, good year means that maybe they're in the playoff discussion late in the year, you know, a Rose Bowl something of a of an upper tier New Year's six new New Year's six type of a bowl game is great for the Ducks. Um, I don't think they're there this year. I don't think this is the team. I think they'll be good and competitive and win a lot of games. I just don't think it's the team. I think next year feels like it potentially could be a year that we start talking about that for Oregon uh, being legitimate. Um, so with that said, if I don't think Oregon's going to win it in football this year. Uh, you know, is there anybody that could, could win it this year? Um, you know, women's basketball has had a lot of turnover, but some of the additions are so dang good that Kelly Graves has done. You have to kind of wonder if he's got, I, I, it feels like he's got something brewing there, uh, with that team. So I'm, you know, I, I love the men's team too. I love the way Dana's assembled this team, uh, obviously went out and got some pretty prolific transfers that were, you know, kind of dipping their toe in the NBA waters, but decided to stick with college basketball. So I really like that team, but, but men's basketball is so competitive and it's really, really tough to come together uh, right out the gates. So I, I will just say that I just say women's basketball I, I, in Kelly Graves. I trust. And again, you will never convince, Vince me otherwise that they they wouldn't have won it two years ago. Yes, uh, Sabrina yes. Sabrina senior season they were going to wreck people. I'll go to my grave knowing that no like like no doubt you you don't beat the U.S. Olympic team the the collection of the most talented professional basketball players on the planet you don't beat that team and lose to a college team it wouldn't happen so I'm with you Sabrina Ruthie Satu. That was their opportunity. That team would have won it. And uh, and every time I'm asked this question, I'm with you. I, I usually say women's hoops. I will throw this out there, though. And you might roll your eyes at it because I think it's a pretty simple way to look at things. Ohio State is the litmus test for Duck football. If yeah. they beat Ohio State, like, I, I understand it's early. It's September 11th if they beat Ohio State. And you're still going to say, watch out, because like you might remember, just like I do, losing to Arizona State in the desert two years ago, losing to Washington State up in Pullman a couple years prior, and losing to Stanford back in the Chip Kelly days, right? Like, it's, it's easy to say, we can't get excited, we can't get ahead of ourselves, the Ducks always lose one in October or November, but if you beat Ohio State on paper, you're one of the top four teams in America. Yeah, I mean, Ohio State 
uh, you know, really respect Ryan Day. They had so many losses coming after last year that I think they're a really, really good football team. Certainly a top five, top six, top seven team, somewhere in that range. But I, I do think Alabama and Clemson, um, you know, are the two to watch for. I know everybody is on Oklahoma early, which they're always on Oklahoma early. It's either Oklahoma or Texas. Everybody picks one of them to be really good every year in the preseason, and they flop. Um, and that's what they've done for a while. Um, kind of the same thing with Georgia. They keep putting Georgia in the top five every year, and you know they have an early season slip up or two, and then manage to wiggle their way back into it because they're in the SEC. So, yeah, like you said, Ohio State is a great, great early test for Oregon. If you somehow go on the road and win that game, uh, even if it's by two points or 20 points, whatever, if you can somehow go on the road and win that game, you're going to be in the conversation as long as you can keep it going from there. You know, Oregon's schedule is not that easy this year. You've got a lot of the tough games on the road, which is which is fine. I mean, it's not great, but it's fine. Um, there's certainly a team there. I, for me, I find it's very dangerous when I get on here and I start hyping the Ducks. Oh yeah, it's eleven and zero this year. Don't worry about it. They're gonna, you know, they're gonna lose to Ohio State early, but they'll win every other game. It's very dangerous when I start doing that because then everybody gets like, "Oh, Jay Hop said they're gonna win every game. They're gonna win," and then they lose a game and it's absolute anarchy. And not that it's just me. It's kind of like when all of us media start doing that in the market. Um, so I mean, Oregon's gonna be good. I love that Ohio State game early. I know people keep wondering why Oregon schedules these tough games early, but again, the way I see it. And the way Rob Mullins apparently sees it after sitting on the committee for a few years, you can play a really good team early on, hope that they're good, and hope that they're in that conversation at the end of the year. You can lose to them early and win your way back. Um, and, and I think that uh, it's almost a gamble that you can afford to take because even if you lose, and let's say Oregon loses to Ohio State by a touchdown, you know, Ohio's, Ohio State's in the top two at the end of the year, and you're Oregon and your only loss is Ohio State by a touchdown, the committee's going to favor you. And I think that's the way Rob Mullen sees it, and that's the reason that you schedule these games, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, it reminds me of of Georgia running the table like three years ago, four years ago. Notre Dame loses to them in a single score margin in a in a really close, really good game. And even though Notre Dame wasn't really worthy of the playoff all year they were always in playoff consideration because of that game yeah and i and i i mean if you're not in the sec and i fully understand that the ohio state's in the big 10 but if you're not in the sec i think the next best thing you can do is schedule those games and be able to say hey look we hung with the best that the sec has to offer again ohio state's in the big 10 i get that the same rule applies there, you know, overall Penn State or, or Ohio State or, uh, you know, or if you if you schedule a Notre Dame or if you schedule a Georgia, having that on your resume and, you know, taking the gamble, kind of gambling on yourself and saying, hey, we can either beat this team or, or be darn close to them usually pays off in the end. And, and that's what I think Oregon's doing. OK, uh, I feel like this is a good place to call it. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about before we sign off for a week and a half? No, a uh, week and a half. Unfortunately, we won't get to do a pod prior to SNL next week, so you just have to stick to the site for content, which we will have plenty of. But uh, but yeah, no. And of course, we you know we all need to you know 
wish Matt a good trip down to sunny Southern California. Uh, send him your suggestions on Twitter of where to go. If you're listening to this and you're on Twitter, he will he will look at them. I promise you. And uh, other than that, uh, we'll be back in, in basically in two weeks, and uh, it'll be our first football podcast of the year and i'm super super stoked about it yeah and and I'll, I'll add two things one is i already put three punks in my yelp like bookmarks for the trip so so we got three punks down i'm excited about that because we're staying in chula vista um, oh perfect and then uh you, you say it's our first football pod of the year really every pod is a football pod it's just that'll be <laughs> a little more of a football pod. So if you love duck football, you already listen. If you have a friend that loves duck football as much as you do, encourage them to tune in to that next podcast in August. Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi on just about any podcast app you can find. If you can't find it on your favorite app, leave me a comment on the the podcast post on scoopduck.com that Justin will put out a little bit later today, this Thursday. And... I'll see what I can do. We'll see if we can put that up there for you. Scoop, duck, and hi-fi. Share with a friend. Leave us a good review. Thanks for listening, and go Ducks. I can do this night like all day long.